Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider with the former Vikings general manager and the host here at TalkNorth.com. Jeff, let's start with uh, an opener that really could not have gone much better. Uh, a lot of people have already analyzed the game, but you've, you've been a general manager. You've been a team president. What does it mean for an organization to get off to that kind of a fast start? Yeah, I think it's huge. And for several reasons, I think obviously you've got the new coaching staff and it lends credibility to what Kevin O'Connell and his staff are doing to have such a, a tremendous performance in the opener. And really, on, in all phases of, of, of the game, offense, defense, and special teams were really good. And so I think that instills a lot of confidence in the team and the players and the coaches, the front office, and in the fan base. I think people are, are very excited about what they saw. And, and I think not only winning an opener, but when you win an opener against a division rival and your arch rival on top of it, and in a convincing fashion, I think that that speaks loudly about the potential for the Vikings to be competitive in the NFC North and have a shot to win this division. I, I said going in that I felt that winning this game was really important if the Vikings were going to c- contend with the Packers in the NFC North, because it's going to be tough come New Year's Day in Lambeau Field, let's face it, in the whatever sub-zero temperatures likely. And by then, you would think that the Packers will have their receiving core a little more straightened out, although it was pretty shaky in the opener. And you also would think that they would figure out perhaps how to cover Justin Jefferson a little bit better and, and maybe put Jair Alexander on him, even though that goes against their scheme Sometimes schemes have to be thrown out the window when you're playing a superstar like Jefferson. But I, I do think that it's really important to win an opening game from a, a team perspective. I think when you lose that opener, it puts tremendous pressure on week two, which the Packers will feel in that game with the Bears uh, come on Sunday. And teams such as Dallas are going to feel that pressure. It's, it's tough. San Francisco who was upset in Chicago, you do not want to go 0-2. The Vikings saw last year when they lost those first two games in Cincinnati and Arizona, it was a tough tough hill to climb after that point. And I think that's why winning the opener is really important, and especially getting that division win. And I guess from my perspective, I got cold feet, Jim, because I had picked the Vikings to beat the Packers back in July based on the talent that they had on the team combined with Green Bay's issues at, at wide receiver and on the offensive line, which did play out in this game. But last week, of course, we both picked the Packers. I picked them in a close game, and resoundingly, the Vikings proved me and most NFL people around the league, most analysts, wrong. And so from their perspective, a great start, and now – onto a, a tough matchup in Philly. I felt going into the season, if they could split these first two games, they'd be in really good shape going forward because the schedule gets a little more friendly for the next several weeks after that game, starting with Detroit next week at home, even though I think the Lions are an improved team and gave the Eagles plenty of trouble. But 
I, I think that now the opportunity is there. The great thing is if you win in Philly and you start off 2-0, and that's a, a, just a fantastic start in the division and the conference race. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, if they find a way to win in Philly, yeah, if they find a way to win in Philly, they could be, start the season with a, a, an extended winning streak. Uh, there aren't many games on the schedule early on that scare you other than at Buffalo. Uh, well, hey, well, let's get let's get more into what's going to happen in Philly. Let's get more into that Vikings-Packers game, which still has a lot of uh, interesting twists and ramifications. Just a reminder, this is part of TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, Platinum Bank, and Minnesota Lottery. Thanks to our producer, Brianne Burdett. Go to TalkNorth.com to check out all the shows, outdoor content, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm, Boyce Olson. Uh, we have the best sports lineup in town, Cheryl Reeve, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, uh, the Viking Update Show, John Millay, and, of course, Jeff. Uh, tons of other, and we got about five hockey shows at this point. So check it all out. Again, best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, I, one thing that caused me to pick the Packers was I kept hearing people talk about how difficult the verbiage was in this new offense and that it took a lot of work to get on the same page. So I thought if the if Vikings are going to have any growing pains here, it's going to, the, the, the Packers will have an advantage. But what we saw was an offense that was absolutely on the same page, that schemed Jefferson open, and and that uh, really you know handled situations well, didn't turn the ball over, and had open receivers running all over the field. Yeah, that's definitely true. And give uh, Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit for his play calling. He stuck with the running game, was was patient with with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and the offensive line, which which blocked for the run pretty well. Uh, they gave up some pressures in the passing game, which was to be expected against a really stout front seven for Green Bay, and and really got some pressures all across the the board. Ed Ingram, the rookie guard, did well. I thought in, in the run game was a little shaky in pass protection. Gave up a sack to Rashawn Gary. Gave up a pressure to Kenny Clark. But but hey, those guys are really good players. And it was Ingram's first game. He should get better. Bradbury, again, you expect him to have some trouble with Kenny Clark, and he did from time to time, but he he wasn't terrible in that ball game. And so from that perspective, the offensive line only gives up one sack. And as Brian O'Neill said, they, they had 300 and what, 395 yards uh, of total offense against a, a really talented defense and having guys running wide open in the secondary. And just I, I thought a, a really good performance for the offense like you said, that was where I thought they would have some difficulty because of the new scheme and because of the Packers' talent on defense. And so as it turned out, a great performance and give credit to O'Connell, especially as a play caller, for mixing the pass and the run. And and so, and then again, Kirk Cousins, you say, hey, the guy had a really good game. <laughs> and he made some big plays, stepped up in the pocket when he needed to, especially on on that uh, the touchdown to, to Jefferson, the 36-yarder. And I, I thought Kirk was really solid in his decision-making. Maybe only one ball was kind of thrown up for grabs uh, on that on that short pass to Cook where he was pressured. But, but overall, really good performance for Kirk Cousins, which bodes well for him going into Monday night against a defense in Philly that was not really good against Detroit. And... I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities offensively to move the ball against this Eagles defense, even though they've got some talent on that team, uh, especially Fletcher Cox up front. 
leading the defensive line and and, and uh, Brandon uh, Graham. But I think when you look at what Detroit did to to uh, Philly, DeAndre Swift, 144 yards rushing. Well, Dalvin Cook's got to look in his chops. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles are really going to be fun to watch offensively. Hurts, we don't know how he's going to perform against really good defenses, really good teams. But now with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I know Smith didn't have any catches week one, but he's a talented guy, uh, a tight end and goader who can catch the ball. They're going to be really a fun team to watch. My next question for you is, what has been, in your experience, the worst place for the Vikings to play on the road? My pick is the is uh, Philadelphia. It'll be interesting to see, hear your answer. We're also going to talk about the league in general, and we're going to do our picks, which, as you know, we don't really do picks because we think we know who's going to win. We do picks as a, a, a function of a way to allow us to talk about a d- bunch of different teams and matchups around the league. But for now, let's uh, before we get to the Eagles and that, that hellish landscape uh, around their stadium, let's thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gattrell. They're great staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. And check out their great website. We always talk about WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including the stylish Encore GX. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500. Reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD. Don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore, and they are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Also like to thank Platinum Bank. Yeah, definitely. Platinum Bank, wonderful sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities execs to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Market President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com Platinum Bank providing a means to a dream Thanks also to Minnesota Lottery sponsoring many shows across the talknorth.com network It's the time of year to go big to grab your passion by the horns to let your purple flag fly The Minnesota Lottery's Vikings Big Ticket Scratch Game is here to help you do just that With $10.2 million in total cash prizes, you'd think that's as big as it gets. But the ticket is so large, it has huge second-chance prizes, too. So say I'm in. Minnesota Lottery. Must be 18 or older to go big. So, Jeff, there are a lot of fan bases that that will give you the business, uh, that will yell at you, that will scream in your face, that will have some fun, that will taunt, will tease. Uh, That NFC Championship game in Philadelphia, 
Eagles fans uh, wanted to fight. They were throwing full beer cans at anybody wearing purple. They found the Vikings family section and dumped beer over the heads of people's wives. Uh, this is a different category. This to me is more criminal than fun. I'm wondering in your long experience of the league, what's been the toughest and not, and by toughest, I don't mean hardest place to win. What's been the nastiest road place you've seen? I think there, there are a couple, uh, certainly Philadelphia is right up there at the top or close to it. And I remember even going back to the strike year <clears throat> back in 1987 and, and we were riding our bus with, with our, our strike team into Philadelphia getting egged. <laughs> the bus is throwing eggs at our bus and screaming and yelling. And yeah, just a really tough place to play. I think almost any place on the East Coast, and I would categorize Philadelphia on the East Coast, on a, on a night game is difficult because the obviously the crowd gets juiced up and we know how they're getting juiced up. And it, it just becomes that much more difficult a place to play. Even playing in the Meadowlands on a Monday night was really nasty and difficult and very tough crowd to play in front of. And so, yeah, I, I would say I remember going to Buffalo, for example, even in, in an afternoon game, the Buffalo crowd can be really hostile. And so it just seems like East Coast is the worst. But then again, I – I remember early in my career, back in my assistant PR director days, and I used to have to stay up in the press box and bring down, remember the play-by-plays? You have to bring, oh, yeah. to bring them down to the bus after the game and get them to the coaches and all that. And I was coming down in San Francisco after a Monday night game, and someone threw a little whiskey bottle at me, and it missed me by about two feet. And, and that was a little bit of a wake-up call. After that, I was kind of keeping my eyes open as, as I as I left the press box late in the after a game, especially a night game. So it can happen anywhere. It happened in San Francisco to me almost. But I would say Philadelphia, one of the worst, no doubt. Very hostile, and even hostile towards their own team. It could they can turn on their own team in a heartbeat. So if you get off to a good start. The, the benefit is you can have them turn against the Eagles. <laughs> and so that could be problematic for the home team too. So it, it kind of works both ways in Philadelphia. So tell me what you think about the Eagles, what they've done to build this roster, Hurts, and how, how that team matches up the Vikings. I think the Eagles are an interesting team. I think certainly they've added a lot of, a lot of talent, uh, especially a wide receiver with A.J. Brown. The big deal for him, paying him $25 million a year. And then he's, he comes out in the opener with a huge game against Detroit with, with the 10 catches, 155 yards. That was big. I think their patience with Jalen Hurts could pay off, and it did last year. got them a winning season, and it looks like Hurts is getting better as he gets more experience in the Eagles' offense. And He's definitely one of the, one of the more <clears throat> dangerous running quarterbacks in the league. We know that, 90 yards last week against Detroit. And so it will be interesting to see how the Vikings defensively Ed Donatel plays against Hertz and that Philadelphia running attack that had 216 yards last week. Are they going to spy, for example, Kendricks on him or Hicks? I, I think that they need something like that. And that will be one of the 
very interesting subplots to watch in this particular game. And so, but I think overall, the Eagles, to me, are still a slightly above average team until they prove differently. I think their their defense is a little shaky. They've got some pretty good players up front. As I mentioned, Fletcher Cox is a six-time Pro Bowler. Brandon Graham, a very good player at defensive end. Reddick is a guy who can rush the passer. Darius Slay is a, is a, a top corner making big money, but their safeties are just okay. The other corners just okay. Bradbury is a pretty good player. The I, I would expect them to put Slay on Jefferson in, in kind of a man, man-to-man situation and maybe give some safety help because I don't think anybody in this league can cover Jefferson one-on-one. But I, I think the Eagles are, are suspect defensively. I think their offensive line is a little shaky. They, they did lose Derek Barnett. Uh, a starting defensive end to to injury uh, to an ACL, so he's out for the year, and signed Janarius Robinson off the Vikings practice squad to replace him. So, so I think the Eagles are a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think that they're kind of symptomatic of that whole NFC East that is just very okay. Uh, the Giants had a nice opening upset win in Tennessee, but I don't think the Giants are going to be a winning team. Dallas is in big trouble with Dak Prescott's injury. Washington, hard to see them going very far with with Wentz and, and all the issues that they have in their front office and their ownership. So I, I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East, but I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a nine or, or maybe a 10-win team because of the division they play in. Yeah, it, and really, I wrote about this earlier in the week. You look at the NFC and – it just doesn't look very scary. I mean, we know the Rams are good, and we know they'll be better than they were in the first game, but they got destroyed in their first game. Cowboys look like they're not going to be a contender. With they're going to probably have a very slow start. They don't have. They only have one receiver, uh, and Dak Prescott's hurt. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, I mean, the Packers looked looked horrible in Week One. Looked like they didn't know what they were doing in a lot of ways, and uh, the 49ers look like it looks like you know. We have to see what Trey Lance looks in a non-monsoon, but he certainly didn't look good in his opener. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there, there are just not many scary teams in the NFC right now. Really, the two teams that jumped out at you as having good Week Ones, who uh, you do think have a chance to be good, are the Vikings and the Bucks. Yeah, I think the Bucks are a, a team to be reckoned with, and defensively, they're 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 very good, and Brady. And his receivers will play better than they did against Dallas. We know that. So I, I like Tampa Bay. I think they're a solid team. New Orleans is kind of a sleeper. And how far they go probably depend on how Jameis Winston plays because their defense is very good. And they have obviously this big game coming up with Tampa Bay on Sunday. And the Saints have beaten the Bucks four times in a row. I, I like New Orleans. And so that week four matchup, we, we say, yeah, the schedule gets a little easier. That's not going to be an easy game, playing the Saints in London and sandwiched between the two home games with Detroit and Chicago. So I think New Orleans is a team that could be very competitive potentially for, for a playoff spot. But, but as you said, I don't think the NFC is a, as loaded as the AFC in terms of, the, of the, especially at the, the top-tier teams. Buffalo and Kansas City right now look like the best two teams in the league. No doubt about it. And that's a good segment segue here. We're going to do our picks again. We don't really uh, 
want you to go out and place money on any of our recommendations. We just use this as a way to have some fun and talk about teams around the league. Uh, and you know what? Let's let's talk about the Bills quickly because Leslie Frazier had a great first game. Uh, really took away anything the Rams wanted to do on offense. I think Leslie should probably be a head coach somewhere in the league. And then Stephon Diggs continues to be the best receiver on what might be the best team in football. Yeah, and, and you start with their quarterback, Josh Allen, who might be the best player in the league right now. He, although Patrick Mahomes had something to say about that with his five touchdown passes against Arizona, but Josh Allen looks like he's just playing so well. Although I, I do think they have to be careful with how much they run him. And, but, but he is, is off to a great start. They have a, a very fascinating matchup with Tennessee on, on Monday night before they play the early Monday nighter before the Vikings and Eagles. And of course the Titans coming off that upset by the Giants were the number one seed in the AFC last year. People forget that because they were knocked off in the divisional playoffs by Cincinnati. But will the Titans rise up? We'll see. But Buffalo is really good offensively, defensively. They're so balanced that right now they look like the best team in the league. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Uh, let's get to our picks. We will say Vikings-Eagles for the last. Uh, speaking of the two teams you just analyzed, Tampa at New Orleans. Tampa has all kinds of troubles with New Orleans head-to-head, and Tampa's not very healthy right now. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think the, the bad matchup for the Bucs is, is the, the Saints' defensive line, Cam, Cam Jordan and company, going against that offensive line that ha- has had so many injuries. And I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Brady and, and perhaps force a couple of turnovers. So I, I'm going to take the Saints in this game just based on recent history that they've beaten Brady all four times since, since Brady's gone to Tampa Bay and seem to have a way to do it, especially defensively. And Jameis Winston coming off a pretty good opener. So I'll take, I would take the, the Saints in this ballgame, but I, I do think it's going to be close. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the Bucks are really beat up at receiver offensive line right now. They do have a very good defense. Uh, history says you should take the Saints. For some reason, I'm going to take the Bucks. I don't, can't even give you a good reason why, other than other than I guess Tom Brady. I just you know I, I think that uh, rivalry bugs him. The fact they haven't played better against New Orleans. So I'm going to take Tampa in a close win. Cincinnati at Dallas. Uh, bringing this up, not uh, this might be an easy pick. No Dak Prescott, but but bring up this up just because two really interesting first weeks. Prescott gets hurt. Uh, looks like the Vikings do not have enough good receivers. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott looks like he's a little bit old. And Cincinnati, Joe Burrow threw four interceptions against a really good Steelers defense. And still, all, you know, all he needed was an extra point after a dramatic late drive to win the game. I just love Joe Burrow. Yeah, definitely. And don't underestimate the value of a good long snapper. Yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati's long snapper got hurt in that game, and what resulted were two high snaps, one that resulted in a a, a blocked, uh, blocked field goal that would have won – or blocked extra point that would have won the game. And then they have the, the missed field goal in overtime by a great kicker in McPherson who made everything last year. And so the two high snaps did in the Bengals, despite having the the five turnovers and the four interceptions by Burrow. And he's not going to do that again. Not with that receiving core. Dallas, I think, is is just 
struggling. And although remember last year they had Cooper Rush started a game. Hmm, who did he, who did he, who he beat? I think it was the Vikings. <laughs> so I, I guess we can't say for sure that Cooper Rush can't get it done, but I, I'll definitely pick Cincinnati in this game. Yeah, that's an easy one. I'll take Cincinnati as well. Chicago at Green Bay. Chicago played pretty well against the 49ers. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a monsoon. There wasn't going to be a lot of offense, but but they looked probably better than I would have expected them to look at Green Bay, who looked like they were lost on offense and uh, who, who do not at the moment have any receivers who scare you. Yeah, except Aaron Rodgers always tells us he owns the Bears, right? And <laughs> He does, and, well, and it's factual. Yeah, it is factual, and uh, – I think the bad matchup here is is Chicago's offensive line against Green Bay's front seven. I think the Packers will be all over Justin Fields, and I'll be surprised if the Bears score more than 10 points in this game. And so I think Rodgers can get more than 10, and I think Green Bay wins this by double digits. I'm right there with you. Seattle at San Francisco. Geno Smith looked pretty good, other than you know the inability to step on up on a pocket in the pocket and avoid some outside uh, pass rushes. I mean, he looked pretty good against uh, a good Denver defense. Uh, San Francisco was really disappointing in the opener. Uh, what's your pick here? Yeah, I'm going to take the the 49ers to bounce back. The I think the really fascinating story here is what's going to happen with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are certainly they're coming off a final four season and I just can't see them being willing to stick with Lance too long if he's not playing well. And, and I know that Kyle Shanahan has gone to the veterans on the team and said, Hey, stick with the kid and, and let's not divide the locker room on who should be playing at this stage and all that. But when you have a team that's built to be a contender and if the quarterback is holding you back, and, and again, as you said, you can't really judge on week one. It was a, a monsoon in Chicago, but he's going to have to play better against Seattle, which is a very, I think they're a sub-average team. I think they were very lucky to win that game against Denver, should not have won that game if the Broncos don't fumble twice on the goal line. But then you give Pete Carroll and Seattle credit for patching it together on defense and playing tough against against Denver and, and Russell Wilson in that very emotional game. So they're going to be coming to San Francisco riding high, but I think the 49ers will find a way to, to win this game. It, it may be closer than some people think, because I, I think that the spread is something like eight or nine points, which is, a, which is a lot for a divisional game. But I think San Francisco will, will win this game by a touchdown. I agree with you once again. Uh, now, Vikings, Eagles, let's get to it. Uh, I'll go first, so you have the last word here. I'm going to take the Eagles' home field advantage, uh, a difficult quarterback to defend, a completely different challenge than dealing with Aaron Rodgers, who wants to scramble to pass. Jalen Hurts will hurt you when he runs uh, and, and can make a lot of big plays. I think the Vikings have a chance to get off a really good start here overall, but I, I can't pick against the Eagles' home opener on Monday night. It's a tough one. I think it's a really close call. And I, I just have a feeling the Vikings are going to find a way to, to get this one done. And Cousins has heard a lot of noise about his Monday night record and primetime play and all that. But it's been a little bit better in recent years. And, and I think that, that he's going to have opportunities against this Eagles defense to make plays. And I think especially in the running game, as I mentioned earlier, 
DeAndre Swift, 144 yards rushing against that Eagles defense. Well, you got to say the Vikings are going to focus their arsenal in that area with, with Cook and Madison and really try to help Cousins and, and the offense. And so I, I think if they can play a ball control game, keep the ball away from the Eagles and Hurts and figure out a way not to let Hurts hurt them, sorry for the pun, too much, and also double A.J. Brown, got to put a lot of attention towards him. I think Cam Dantzler is, is a guy who still concerns me. He, I thought he was playing a little bit soft on several occasions against really suspect Green Bay receivers. Now the receivers step up in class, as you said, with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. I think that Philly's going to put up some points. I think the Vikings are going to put up some points. I'll take the Vikings in the close one. I think Greg Joseph maybe kicks a winning field goal at the end. Good call. We'll talk about it next week. Also check out the Viking Update show as well on this network and all the hockey shows. Just if you like the sport, we have a show to cover it. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. For today, thanks to Brianne Burdett. Thanks again to White Bear Lake Superstore, Platinum Bank, and the Minnesota Lottery. And we'll be back to analyze the Eagles, Vikings, and look ahead next week. <laughs>